the frustrating part to me um, is losing, um, not getting the job done. At the end of the day, uh, when you're playing the game, you give it your all, and you don't. You don't. I mean, the home runs don't matter. We're going to try and score runs. If it's a walk, if it's on an error, um, just getting the run across in playoffs is the main key, and um, just keeping the line moving. And unfortunately, um, a lot of things didn't work out for us today. We put a lot of balls in play, it seemed like, but they're up in the air. Yeah, it seemed like we played into their trap. When it comes to an end, it, it's tough, and it was tough last year, and it's very difficult in a lot of ways this year too. But I told our guys, uh, our guys need to walk out of this clubhouse today with their heads held high and knowing that we gave it what we had but we're all going to return home and and keep working and and try to do this better the next time around all right uh i think the the autopsy has sort of taken place if you want to go back and listen to our post game one and post game two hour and a half each episodes of twins vent line Hmm. we will continue the autopsy we have come to this episode of Mackie and Judd with things that we would do this offseason. We are already starting to think about the changes that we would make, and we will do that on this episode, plus a scoop from Doogie and a quick shout-out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. In support of local health care facilities and workers, Federated Insurance donated 18,000 N95 respira- uh, respirator masks to Oatana Hospital and several outdoor blue lights for the Owatonna Clinic building as well. Uh, Federated Insurance employees are donating their time, talent, and also financial resources to help our communities. Team members have produced masks and face shields for healthcare workers and first responders and caregivers. Federated Insurance is always putting community first. When it comes to your business, just know that Federated Insurance is here to help with uh, trusted resources at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Our organization, we, we haven't been successful in the playoffs lately at all and that's the re- that is a reality for all of the fans and for everyone who follows the organization and cares about the twins i'm aware of it now and i'll tell you this one the day i showed up here uh in the the minnesota twins organization i had no idea that that was even a thing i didn't know it existed um i hear about it from people who are who care about this team and you know what we want to do better and we want to do better for ourselves we want to do better for the organization and we want to do better for all the fans, too. And I think uh, all parties deserve that. I love Rocco, but I'm I'm struggling with what to do with this. I'm, a, I'm aware of it now. I'm aware of it now, everybody. Yeah, all right. That's fantastic. 18 yeah. five, straight. And five for you. Five bad games for you. But, by the way, your team has not played well. And you've gone from being a regular season Manager, I think, makes a lot of smart, good moves to being a guy who, when it gets to be um, um, winning time, often really sadly looks clueless. Like, I don't think there's a way to put it. He looks he he looks like he has no clue how to win in the environment that the Twins just were in for two games. Well, I, I, I'll, take, I'll take what you said and sort of spin it this way, though. I don't know that he is just making decisions on his own. I think he is making decisions as an extension of front office sure. philosophy, right? And like when he oh, pull, sure. when he pulls Jose Barrios after seventy five pitches, that is not just a Rocco going rogue decision. That is an organizational philosophical decision, not based on pitch count, based on third time through the order statistics. 
that show Jose Brios has a 905 OPS allowed or 950 or whatever it was, over 900. Right. But so, he, so he's making the decisions with like Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, and other people. But in the that's organization scarier then too, because that that speaks to a mentality and culture where they really don't know what to do in the most important circumstances. Like well, everybody, but, but they would tell you. And again, I I agree with you. I think that that was a perfect moment where analytics take you to this point, and then you have to sort of look around and let's 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 bring all the context in. Yeah, like third time through the order is definitely a problem, but those third time through the order stats also count the times where he's not as sharp as he was yesterday. Correct. And it and it also it also um ordinarily would include a fully stocked bullpen where you're maybe going to your second best reliever in that situation and not your sixth best reliever for two innings in Cody Stashak. Uh but I think the twins would tell you, Judd, after yesterday, they would tell you because you said Rocco's clueless in those situations and that should scare you. I think what the Twins would tell you is he's not clueless in those situations. He made the right move in that situation, and it just didn't pan out. Right, and that frightens me more, though, because it's it speaks to not having the proper mentality of how to adapt to the fall. Like, well, that's the problem. They, they literally don't know what they're doing when they get to the playoffs. Yeah, and it's it's not the same as the regular season. No, and so no. to to act like it's the yeah, it's the same. We're just going to use all the same guys that we would use. We're going to kind of do the same thing and feel the flow. It's like... Well, the Astros and the Yankees, they'll tell you that the intensity goes up in the postseason and that there's different things to consider and different human elements to consider. Not all these guys are robots. The Twins, the Twins' biggest problem, and this can be, they can learn. They're not so far, but they can learn. So I am not dismissing this as a lost cause. But the Twins' biggest problem is they treat the first date, the 15th date, and their wedding day as the same day. And and that works really well in the regular season. Yeah. Right. But I'm saying, but you, but that might work well on date one and date 15. Yeah. But your wedding day brings with it pressures and different responsibilities that you have to tackle by by doing what the old people call taking the temperature of the room. And exhibit A is Cody Stashak. And we will get to the other aspects and we will get to the things that we will do this offseason if we had the keys to the castle. But <laughs> Cody Stashak's a great example. In the regular season, when things are free and easy, and you get to play the Tigers once in a while, and uh, you got another game tomorrow if you don't perform well today, and so there's just not as much pressure. Cody Stashak, who was a 13th round draft pick that the Twins did a good job of grooming and developing in the minor leagues, in 40 major league regular season innings, he has an ERA of 3.15. Only five home runs allowed in those 40 innings. That's really, really good. Pretty good. Cody Stashak's a really good regular season pitcher. Now, this is small sample size alert because he's only pitched in the postseason for three and two-thirds innings, but he's allowed three home runs in that stretch with a 7.36 earned run average. And I get that that is a super small sample size. But there's a human element involved here in that a guy that you have sort of elevated above what he probably should be, 13th round pick, and he's become kind of this pleasant surprise, He's been used against the Yankees and the Astros right. in pivotal spots and has given up multiple Correct. home runs. And, and and it's not surprising. And it's not Cody Stashek's fault. Agreed. It's not your <laughs> fault. It's not your fault. Cody Don't Stashek, do this to Cody. me, Rocco. It's not your fault. You're my bro. But here, but here's what bothers me is how did you not learn from last fall? How did you not learn from game one of the Yankees series? How do you... The the definition of insanity is what repeating the same mistakes over and o- over again, expecting the same results. Yeah, and for these people who are, they're a smart group. I mean, I'm not going to call them dumb. I, I'm I don't like what they've done in the playoffs, but they are a smart group. 
to me, they, they should be among, because they come off as really learned people, right? Like they're not head in the sand, old school, shut up, get off my lawn, guys. So Stashek, as Exhibit A in your uh, case, Phil, is a great one because you repeated the same mistake instead of getting another inning. And look, Stashek could have been warmed up yesterday. He could have been warmed up and standing there in the bullpen. And guess what? If Burrell struggles, I wouldn't have brought Stashek in first, but you can get Brios out, right? But you didn't even give Brios the opportunity. Yeah. That's what, that's, I just, it, it's inexplicable to me. And all of this Not is mostly irrelevant because they can't score runs. And I, just to, just to flush this completely out of our systems before we turn the page and get to and how right. do they fix this. Okay? And you are right. I am still, I woke up this morning just like watching highlights of all these teams that are scoring five runs. Like yesterday, the Cardinals scored seven runs. The Marlins scored five runs in their first playoff game in like 17 years or something. The Rays hit a grand slam and scored eight runs to move on. Just all these, there's just bombas everywhere across the league. And yet every time the Twins, not only this year and last year, every time the Twins have played a playoff game for 16 years, it's like the opposing pitcher just morphs into Randy Johnson every single time. How is it possible? The Yankees scored seven runs or whatever it was off Shane Bieber. They don't look like they've got, you know, puckered lips in the back. <laughs> they get up there. Yeah. They think and believe they are savages in that box, whether it's Shane Bieber or Cody Stashak, They're going to hit bombs, yes. and they don't care what you think or say. Um, there's just this inherent confidence that these teams have at the plate, and it's so weird because the Twins turn this roster over time and time again, and they say that, well, the past doesn't matter to us. Well, then why do you look like that every single time? You can't score five runs once? It's been 16 years since they've scored five runs in a playoff game. Can you quickly, absurd. Can you, uh, quickly play that Rocco soundbite again? Because I think there's a major, major a starting point problem with what had just happened to the Twins. The, the get it now, I yeah, get, it, I get now. it now. Our organization, we, we haven't been successful in the playoffs lately. At all, and that's the re- that is a reality for all of the fans and for everyone who follows the organization and cares about the Twins. I'm aware of it now, and I'll tell you this: one the day I showed up here uh, in the the Minnesota Twins organization, I had no idea that that was even a thing. I didn't know it existed. Um, I hear about it from people who are who care about this team, and you know what? We want to do better, and we want to do better for ourselves. We want to do better for the organization. We want to do better for all the fans, too. And I think uh, all parties deserve that. All right. I'd like to go, just for a second here, I'd like to go really deep in the mental aspect of approach, okay? Really, really deep here, because this is going to get into a completely non-baseball world, but it's going to be something that I think that Baldelli, and look, he's a young guy. He's, what, 39 now, I think? So he is a young human being, okay? but. Number one, I understand that last year going into playing the Yankees again, the Twins attempted to sort of ignore the past because it wasn't in their mind their past, which they were sort of right about. And and I might not have completely agreed with the formula for that, but I understand the decision, okay? But then you lost three consecutive. And, it, Phil, if you recall, I believe you asked Dave St. Peter, the president of the Twins, last year about playing the Yankees before that three-game series started, and he said something about slaying the dragon. It's time mm-hmm. to slay the dragon. Okay, some of my best work as a it journalist. was. Yeah. It was. You were. You were. Tablets Mike Wallace. You were um, all of the greats. Merle. But anyway, 
by this year, when you had lost three consecutive games, if you're going to talk about slaying dragons, ending playoff skids, winning a playoff game, okay, what's the most important thing that you need to do by this year? You need to address the elephant in the room, not ignore it. It what what Baldelli was trying to do by this year is akin to the house being on fire and saying that's going to go out eventually by itself, right? Like, I mean, if we let the house burn, it'll just go go out. He needed to address it. And for him, being fully aware of this streak, fully aware by now, for him, if he did truly try to ignore it again and say, we lost last year three games, but that's not us. That's not us. Don't worry about it. We can beat the Astros, which the Twins should have beaten them. Um, that is a that is a strategic mental mistake with a group of people who I would argue, my last point here, I would argue that the twin struggles at the plate, they weren't because the Astros starters were that good. They came from a byproduct of trying to ignore the elephant in the room, yes. and everybody was holding the bat so damn tight, the bats were splintering. Rocco Baldelli made a, and I believe, I don't believe that this is a Falvey, Levine, I think this is the guy who runs the clubhouse, the guy that manages this team. Rocco Baldelli made a major mistake in my mind by trying to ignore something that by this year at least, nobody else was ignoring. I love it. I think you're I think you're right. I think there is a psychological component to this. And as much as they wanted to, I'm fine with the approach they took going into the Yankees series last year, which is, hey, I, I, we hear you guys, but this is this is the Bomba squad here, okay? This is a different collection. These guys are confident. I believe that these guys are are mostly confident. But now that it's now that this is not just a thing from the past that those other teams, th- those are the failures of the other Twins teams. Like now these are just as much your failures as any other era of Twins baseball. So now now we can get into an actual discussion here and and come up with some actual solutions. I will start by saying this Twins roster was good enough to win a World Series, all right? And whether it's just like mentally failing to take good at bats or just not playing situational baseball when you need to, Jorge Polanco making a dumb play at shortstop, like those are things that derail good teams. So let's start just by saying that the roster was there for the Twins to make a World Series run if they were to have approached it differently, not made mistakes in certain situations, taken better at bats, this and that. So if we are to believe that there's a mental thing to get over here, and there's going to be changes to next year's roster, but what is the mental thing that you need to get over? And I go back to the 2004 Red Sox, which not only were sitting, it was a different type of losing streak. It wasn't like a, we haven't won a playoff game in years. They went to a game seven against the Yankees the year before. And then Aaron Boone hits the grand slam and sends the Yankees to the World Series. For the Red Sox, it was 86 years of playoff failure to win a World Series. Theo Epstein was the president of baseball operations. And I don't know exactly what happened behind the scenes, but I know that what we saw front-facing was they leaned into it, especially when they got down 3-0 again to the Yankees in the ALCS. The Red Sox leaned into it. They took shots before the games. I'm not saying you have to get bombed before playoff games here, Twins, but maybe a shot of Yag, like Randy and Cottage Grove said, maybe that'll take the edge off. Victory shots. They leaned into it. They embraced it. They called themselves the idiots, and they just had this cavalier attitude and said, you know what? This is our history, and damn it, we're we're gonna you know we're gonna own this and we're gonna walk into it and uh, and see where the chips fall and they wind up winning like four World Series in the next twelve years. Derek Falvey has a great relationship with Theo Epstein. In fact, 
you and I were both told a couple years ago that Theo Epstein calls Derek Falvey to ask Derek Falvey's advice on pitching development. In fact, I can tell you that Theo Epstein once called Derek Falvey and said, hey, for his, you know, as as many people praise me for roster building and putting together World Series teams and ending the curse in Chicago and Boston, I have to trade for starting pitchers and sign starting pitchers because I just don't really know what I'm like. I'm not very good at developing and cultivating pitchers from within. Mm -hmm. Tell me how you did it in Cleveland and how you're doing it in Minnesota. They have that type of relationship. Theo Epstein trusts and leans on Derek Falvey behind the scenes for a number of years. If I'm Derek Falvey, I would look to trust and lean on Theo Epstein to ask, when you have a good team, a team that's ready-made and ready to make a run, how do you get over that mental hurdle? What was the key for some of those Red Sox teams that broke through the noise multiple times, the first time being the biggest one, to win a World Series? What is the secret? What's the secret chemistry sauce? What's the secret mentality sauce, managerial speak sauce, all those things I'd want to know. Ignoring enormous issues that might be present in your relationship or your workplace or with your team is never the answer. It's never, it never improves it. And and ignoring it makes you more uptight. And in sports especially, that makes you hold the bat much, much tighter. That makes you much more, less likely to succeed. So I, I honestly think, Phil, that this starts with the fact that Baldelli is a young guy himself and doesn't necessarily, and I think he's probably learning at this point, but he doesn't necessarily understand how to process this. And in these last five games, and look, the other factor too is some of the decisions that he made in the three games against the Yankees and the two games against the Astros also have been uptight decisions. Like they have not been the loosey goosey, let, you know, live and let live. They have everyone in the home dugout for the last two games, including the guy that manages the team, in my opinion, exhibited being uptight. And why? Because they're trying to ignore the reality of the situation, I think. There's also, like, I'm not going to pretend to have all the mentality answers by any means here. Smarter baseball people that know those dynamics can can do that. But there's got to be something, not just for Barrios, but for the rest of the team. When a guy is shoving like that yesterday in an elimination game, and you're going over there and, like, trying to, trying to like tell him why you're taking him out of the game. And he's like, I don't want to come out of the game. Like if you're a hitter, are you not looking over there kind of wondering, Hmm, it's kind of weird. Why is he coming out of the game? Like there's, it just, it just, it feels like not to mention if you have to lean on five or six different pitchers over the course of nine innings to get the opposing lineup out, isn't there a better chance that one or two of them are just off their game for that day and implode like, Stashak gives up a home run because he's not on that day. Yes, If absolutely. I've got a guy that's on, yeah. I might be more willing to test the Waters third time through the order against a lineup that's okay, but let's. this isn't the Astros that have the trash can bang system from two years ago. Okay? It, if, if J.D. and Buxton couldn't have played going forward, I don't think the Twins had a team that could have won the I agree with that. World Series. Yep. But to be extremely clear, without those two, they should have at home beaten Houston in a best of three. Yep. Totally agree. And so baseball's, that's, baseball's a crap shoot and that sure. exists too, but like baseball is not a crap shoot for 18 straight losses. Correct. That, that goes deeper it, than a crap shoot. Yes. Sorry. So with that gentlemen, Oh yeah. Reckless speculation. I don't know how you want to do this Judd, but I, I know that I have brought five moves that I would make this off season for the twins. 
if you've got moves, do you want me to go through my list I've and got, then you add to it? Or how, you want to go? what do you want to do here? Let's go back and forth. I've got, okay. because my A move is a move that is deeply going to impact this team. It's unfortunate, and it doesn't even involve going outside. But you start, and let's okay. go back and forth. Okay, so let's... Um, Actually, can we fire up some NFL music here? Yeah, I don't know. I just I we, like NFL music. Is this music. the end of uh, baseball? Or you know, why don't we find the uh, the the major league theme that we say. like? Let's use that. one. I we, thought that this down. was the last day of baseball as football, which, by the way, has been I, great I was fun. Say we, can, we can break down. I mean, these moves are basically football moves. Yeah, we, actually, the thing that we're the most pissed off about here, okay, just to be totally frank, we've had so much fun breaking down baseball like it's football for like two and a half months now. And we all like we were all texting last night and this morning. It's like we want to keep doing this. Like, yeah. screw, was, screw you guys. Why are you, you, you can't give us you can't give us one extra day. Even you couldn't oh, even get us to October. Just get to the bubble. I couldn't Jeez. even watch. I couldn't even watch playoff baseball yesterday. And it's my favorite postseason of all sports. And I couldn't even turn it on because I was sad, depressed. Yeah. Football, amazing. All right, move number one. We'll just go back and forth here, okay? So I think the first thing you have to just throw out, since we're since we're not holding anything back or in here, we're we're gonna openly communicate, right? That's the new that's the new mantra for the twins. Let's not I'm aware. Let's of not it. push these things off to the side and pretend they don't exist. Well, the big elephant that exists is the fact that you didn't put a single fan in your stadium in 2020. Revenue is a problem. So the twins spent like 135 or 140 million dollars on this team's payroll. That's coming down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess that probably. I'm, this is a total educated guess, but mm-hmm. I think it probably comes down closer to like a hundred million dollars. Yeah, maybe lower. Oh, yeah, it's going to have to come down. Like they're going to take a, and every team is going to. Yes, like teams are going to cut payroll. Which if you're a free will agent, hurt and help. Yeah, if you're a free agent this off season, you're, there's probably going to be a lot of one year make good deals and then yes. get back on the market later, right? So, hundred thirty five, hundred forty million. You actually can you can actually get rid of fifty million dollars just by saying goodbye to all your free agents. So the free agents I'm for sure saying goodbye to are Jake Odorizzi. It's been a good run. If you want to come back for like three million or something, let's just, do it. You just hit on what I think is going to happen. <laughs> so Jake Odorizzi, you're gone at eighteen million. Maybe we'll welcome you back for three. Marwin Gonzalez at nine million, gone. Yep. Rich Hill. It was fun watching you pitch and swear up a storm. Three million, you're gone. Didn't even get him to a playoff start, which is why he was brought here. That sort of sucks. I, know, I, know. I like to because I liked Rich Hill, Alex Avila, four and a half. Yeah, you're gone. Uh, Clippard and May each make two and a half. Gone, gone. I might bring back one for a couple million dollars. I like Clippard back. Wow. Nelson Cruz is a discussion. He's a discussion, and it, it's got. It's, oh, it's, that's going to dovetail perfectly into mine. All right, so I am saying goodbye <laughs> to a lot of these old guard free agent guys and opening up. Extra financial space. All right, go ahead. Do we think the National League is go- is definitely going to go to the DH adopted for 2021? I do. Yep. Okay. All right. So Nelson Cruz now just got a whole laundry list of teams that were ineligible to bid on him who are now going to bid on him. He's yeah. in fantastic shape. He takes naps. He's going to be 41 on July 1st, but somebody's going to give him a multi-year contract. I guarantee it. Someone's going to pay him. I don't think the Twins can. But I've got your solution because... Falvey, Baldelli, Dave St. Peter, uh, Levine, all are going to sit down, maybe even Jimmy Polat. They're all going to sit down at some point in time and talk about what to do here for 2021. And move number one, I don't even like this move, but it's going to cost Cruz his job here for sure. And it might even impact what happens to the guy currently playing first base on a daily basis. Gentlemen, I present to you the dilemma of dilemmas. I think I figured out where you're going Josh with this. Josh Donaldson yeah. has three years left on the four-year, $92 million contract. Now, if I can quickly turn into Dr. Zolgad, I'm going to tell you the biggest problem for Donaldson's calf injury problem, which is chronic, 
in 2020, all right? It was never at the plate. He aggravated it there. Both times he heard it, I theorize he did it playing third base. He's where, such a great Where third he's baseman, really though. good. But, 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 and this was confirmed to me by a person who has calf problems. The problem is, look, I, I'm dead serious here, okay? Chip Scoggins have calf, calf I'm, problems? I'm not going to name him. <laughs> but this was confirmed to me. The, pro, the, problem, the problem that Donaldson had, and my theory about where he got hurt both times, including most recently, I think against Detroit, making what was nearly a great play, is the explosion off his right leg at third base to make a play fielding-wise. It's that first-step explosion, which is a different explosion than from the batter's box. Okay. And by the way, he doesn't have to run hard as a hitter. Josh Donaldson. Reckless speculation. Josh Donaldson either needs to play first base, which I still think is pushing the envelope on explosion, or more likely is going to have to, because you have to keep him in your lineup, more likely is going to become a semi-regular, if not regular, DH for the Twins in 21. Interesting. I, boy, he is. I don't, a, don't, don't tell me, Dex, you don't like it. I don't like it either. I he's a it. great third baseman. Get around but, it. I honestly hate it. But, okay, so to Judge's point, what, he's a great third baseman, and he said he has saved runs. There, there's two plays that Marwin botched yeah. this this series that Josh Donaldson makes, yes. right? Without but falling to the ground. If my, But if you're telling me, listen, the only way that you can guarantee he's in the lineup for 150 games is if he's a DH, and then you can either take that or you can take what's behind door number two, which is he's roll the dice again and put him at their base and see what happens, and he might miss four months. I would just put him at DH. I think you have to. Declan doesn't like this. I don't I do either. Like it. Well, no, all three of us don't like it. Uh. At third base, he's great. And and I, I've that now one's processing this right. But now. I've now brought you a new problem. <laughs> you need to find a third baseman. I hate this you idea. Found, you found your third baseman. It's Josh Fleetman Donaldson, and he can't play. He can't play. He's hurt all the time. It's uh, a chronic he, problem that dates to 2016. Declan, in between 16 and 17, we saw this. He uh, he put this on Instagram. Yeah. He ripped or tore that calf seven times. I know. It's it's happened again. I I just have a hard time. I, I know he's a really good hitter. I have a hard time paying him thirty million dollars to be a DH. He's got to provide value on the field too, man. That's where I'm at right here. But he can't play. That, can you put him in right? Can you put him in the outfield? No, can you do that's, something? that's even worse. Because now he's now he's gonna have to run like full speed after I think fly you, balls. You stick him at third. You have to. I don't think there's. I don't, I don't see any reason. You can't just put him at DH. I don't. I don't. I don't like that at all. <laughs> but but right now he's on the DL. Yeah, the IL. He's never healthy. It was, it was a good line. That was mm. good. Um, but it, it, I see where you're it's going. It's a huge here. move. I hate okay. the thought. I'm with Declan on thought processes. I'm saying I can't have paid him that much to not play. Okay, could I, now I'm just playing like fantasy baseball here. But <laughs> could Royce Lewis and or Jorge Polanco play third base or Luis Arise? Could you oh. could you put one of those guys at third base? I think Luis Arise is a butcher at second base. I can't. He is kind of. I don't think I can put him at third. Is there someone in your organization that you're not thinking of that could play some third base? You know, Nick Nick when they moved Nick Punto in 2006 or something, and it and it worked well. Just something to think about. How how close is Royce Lewis to being big league ready? Do we think? Well, I would have told you that Alex Kirloff, who barely played above Double A, wasn't ready, and then he looks like a rock star in his first ever two at bats. Because I think the answer to your question on Lewis about third base, if you got him enough time, there is yes. And he's got the, he's got a pretty big frame too. Yeah. So, all right, let's keep going here. Reckless speculation. All right, actually, along these lines, the next move I make this offseason is because you got to start somewhere with all these pieces, right? And this might help with what Judd's saying. 
I penciled Brent Rooker and Alex Kirloff into my starting lineup. Mm-hmm. I like that. I saw enough in one game with Alex Kirloff to be like, okay, that, that dude deserves a shot off the bat in 2021. Like, no pun intended. He looked comfortable, smooth. That you know what was weird, is, Phil? He didn't look uptight. He did not. He, he was the not. only one who didn't look uptight. God. Slamming their bats everywhere, right? So, um, Brent Rooker also showed some great pop. I don't know. I, now, there's no guarantees that these guys won't like flame out in May and have to go back for a tune-up or something, but Kirloff in a corner outfield spot. Rooker, if needed in a corner outfield spot, kind of depends on what happens with some of the incumbent corner outfielders, which we'll get to. Yes. And if first base becomes open you know, via some sort of move, then maybe Brent Rooker can play some first base. But I start with those guys make league minimum for the next three years, and they could be very productive players for you. Mm-hmm. And so I give those guys a, a, a spot penciled in in 2021. All right. And that'll, there's more to come here. Reckless speculation. Well, I'm, I'm actually going to play off of what you're saying. And my second move to add is this. And Patrick brought this up with us uh, when we were doing the Twins vent line yesterday. But the more I think about it, he's exactly right. I would look to move Rosario, but his contractual status, which is going to make him a free agent after 21, um, is not going to get you a ton. The guy who That's could okay. get you something and where I am opening up a spot for Kirloff, who, by the way, is far more familiar with playing right field than left field, I'm trading Max Kepler. Team-friendly uh, contract. He just got done with year two, five years, 35 mil. All right? I can take him to market. I can get something for him. I'm going to be honest about Kepler at this point. I don't get him. Two years ago, he couldn't hit lefties. In 2019, he comes back, and the splits are actually better against lefties than righties. And in 2020, he comes back, and against Southpaws, he's a complete mess. Kirloff, in my mind, from what I've seen, is a better player. He can play right field. And I think if I take Kepler to market, I'm going to stand to get far more in trade value because of the contract, just as a starting point. Then Rosario gets me. I am trading Max Kepler, and if I can put together a deal to get more starting pitching or something, that is great. I do that. But Kepler, to me, so so like for everyone who says Rosario's a flake, trade him. Okay, but the problem is teams know that. Kepler, I think, intrigues teams. Wow, you and I are just on the same wavelength right now because the next move... Reckless speculation. The next move on my list, it's it's trades. I also explore trading Max Kepler for everything you just said. I think he's a he's such an enigma because I just pulled up the numbers. His splits against lefties and righties this year, right against right-handed pitching, he had a 925 OPS. Against left-handed pitching, he had a 378 OPS, which is unplayable. Like you're literally better off just putting Williams Astadio in to take three swings and see what happens. <laughs> So that's a problem. He had two extra base hits in 55 plate appearances against left-handed pitching this year. So right now he's just he's a he's a platoon pull hitter basically. But the but we saw more than that in 2019. He was actually one of the best hitters in all the baseball in 2019. Uh, and I think there's because he's only 27 and the contract is team friendly. There's a tantalizing aspect to him. I don't think you'd be selling low on him because contract value, 2019 numbers, like a, a team's going to look at him and say, all right, that's a dude. We're looking for a cornerstone corner outfielder. The Twins would be dealing from a position of strength because they've got all these guys. We haven't even mentioned Trevor Larnick could be up next year, too. So I would I would definitely look to trade 
Max Kepler for some sort of starting pitcher or some sort of and I think great you could prospect. Get Yep. Yeah. Clear clear room out. I also explore trading Eddie Rosario and Miguel Sano because the Twins and Max Kepler lump him into this too. The Twins lack on base guys. They've got Bomba guys. They've yep. got streaky Bomba guys, but they just need guys who slump less and who get on base more often. This season, the Twins ranked 20th in on base percentage and 6th in home runs. So they never have anybody on base when they hit home runs. And oftentimes the home runs go away for like a week at a time. I don't know, like this last I was week, for say, instance. Like after the Detroit game. When's the last time you saw the Bomber robe? It's been like two weeks. So, uh, I like it. All right, Judd. Reckless speculation. What else? So, I, I think that there's a, ver- a very good chance uh, that both corner outfielders are traded. Probably in separate deals. Here's a very difficult conversation, and I've, since uh, last night, given this a, a lot of thought because it intrigues me and I'm not a fan, but I think his value is so low I actually don't trade him. Miguel Sano. He signed last January a three-year, $30 million contract, which is which is a great team contract, okay? But if you look at what he did beginning on uh, September 1st, Speaking of unplayable, it's unplayable. He was awful. He is a strikeout machine. He couldn't get on base. He was an absolute train wreck. And and for all of those purposes, I say to myself, good riddance. I can't take this. But then I think if I take him to market now, other teams, we, we always want to trade guys who we're frustrated with, right? Just trade them. Well, teams aren't stupid. Teams are going to say, I'll take Sano, and I will give you player X and Y, and by the way, those guys aren't great. So I actually think that Sano, with a team-friendly contract, devalued himself so much in September and the playoffs that I can't trade him because I'm not going to release him and or basically just hand him to you. Uh, I think the conversation, again, and I'm so sick of this conversation, and we've had it a thousand times on the field, off the field, blah, blah, blah. Rehabilitating him to get him back to a playable standpoint where then I would explore, and I know there are some people who would go crazy if it happens, but I think you do it. Then I explore trading him. But I think he has dragged his value down so low that as tempted as as Phil Mackey, Patrick Royce, Declan uh, Goff, and Judd Zolgad are to say trade this guy now, I don't think you should. Oh man, I almost, I honestly, dude, like if if it beca- if it becomes sort of a number crunching game at first base in DH, I would almost just get rid of him, like literally trade him for a C level prospect. Ooh, I, I am so that. low on him. I am too. And but I get I can't that he, do that. I get that he hits home runs and that's awesome. I but what but, if I get him hot and then trade him? Like if I get him in a month stretch, I can actually then market him a little yeah, bit. You're right. I'm I'm being reactionary cuz I just looked at his playoff numbers and he's batting 100 in the playoffs. Check out his September, Phil. Yeah, yeah it's a disaster. September so, is a joke. So I'm being reactionary, you're being prudent and and that's the right move. So I'll just move on to my next move. Reckless speculation. I would hang on to Byron Buxton for 2021, but I would have Royce Lewis ready in reserve to play center field, which he played some center field in the fall league last year, I believe. He did. In the same in the same fall league against some of the league's best young players, in which Royce Lewis won the fall league MVP and batted 353 with a 975 OPS. That's the last time we've seen him in an actual like baseball game. Yes. Outside of the CHS field stuff. So um, I would I would make sure that he can play some shortstop, some center field, and I would just sort of have him ready, maybe some third base, ready to come in and take over 
as needed. Reckless speculation. I like your thought process there. Look, let me take your idea for a Lewis move and and transition it to what the Twins should have done going into 2020, though. Okay. I am signing an athletic center fielder to play mm. behind Buxton, who I can put out there. And uh, they have Jake Cave. What do you and mean? My, exactly right. Diving Jake. I love you. <laughs> You're great. You you are you are Nick Punto. You are Cal Clutterbuck. You are all of oh, those guys. That is so right. Uh, you you make hustle look fun. Even when you're not necessarily really hustling, Billy, okay? Ham- Billy Hamilton's available. Guy, do you remember? Guy, guy can't get right. on base. Do you, do you guys recall last year? I believe, I believe he sat on the market for an extended period of time. Kevin Pillar. Yeah, he's a free agent again. Would, okay, taken, but yeah. that's a guy. That's yes. the guy I'm talking about. I'm talking about a guy who is not going to make an All Star team, but who I can when Buxton gets hurt, and it's going to happen. All right, it's inevitable by now. When Buxton is out for a month or two weeks or five games, don't care that I can plug this guy in center, and he is akin to a starter as opposed to let's move Kepler. That no, let's let's try out J.K. Here's the only thing: I need a real center fielder at least. In name, the only, but the only problem with a guy like Kevin Pillar is he is a starting player. Like he's, he was yeah. signed to be a starter somewhere. Yeah. So you you almost need someone who's a, who's willing to be a backup. And that's kind of why Jake Cave is. It's a tough conundrum. What you really need is a corner outfielder who starts and can also play center okay, field. Okay, can with a high Pilar clip. play some left field then? If Rosario's gone, well, you're not. But you're not going to you're not going to sign a free agent outfielder to start because you have you've got Rooker, you've got Kirloff, you've got Kepler and no, Rosario. No, but I can move like, guys. But I can get creative. I agree with you. I can assure here. him enough at bats. Uh, Pilar? I can get him at bats. Where? Rooker uh, is going to have to DH some, and he might have to play some first base. He is this a, is the uh, log jam that they need to he be is, uh, let me uh Let me talk about butchering things in the outfield. <laughs> I know. Um, it's going to be a gong show, <laughs> and the young man can hit, and I like him, and he seems like a friendly chap, uh, but you're not going to want to see Rooker in the outfield on a regular basis I agree all that. the time. I think it's going to get ugly. I agree. I just, what I'm saying is between corner outfield and first base DH, they literally have like eight guys right now. They've got Kepler. I'm trying to get creative here. Kepler, Rosario. They've got Kirloff, yeah. Rooker. And Donaldson, possibly. Larnick, Donaldson, Sano, Cruz. That's eight right now. Crazy. I, I need a backup for Buxton who can just be there and he's not named J.K. Before we get to Dukes, I got one last one for you. One I, reckless speculation. I have the biggest one still. Oh, you guys are like looking to table. move on the damn segment already. Declan, you go I'm ahead. not ready to move on. Okay. Is Doogie here right now? Yeah. Is he sitting in there? He's knocking around the door. He's he can lurking. join us. Okay. He I'll, loves to speculate. Actually, let's I'll get him in. bring him, him in for Phil's last perfect. bomb. Okay, I like good, that. Perfect. I like that. Okay, right, well, let's do it. the big bomb. All right, I, I got a good shortstop. Straight up shortstop for shortstop trade here. Wow. So I'm getting rid of Jorge Polanco. I love what we just got. We just got rid of like yeah. everybody on the roster. Talk to me, Goose. I like where you're going. <laughs> so this guy's entering the last year of a two-year deal, and he's one of the best. But he, I don't think this seems to be able to afford him. What a what about a straight up shortstop for shortstop swap? Jorge Polanco for Trevor Story in Colorado. Ooh, so Jorge Polanco, dude, is I under love Trevor Story. A very team-friendly deal. He's a good player. Story signed a two-year deal. He'll make 17 million next season. Then he's a complete UFA. So you're taking a chance that. You know, you, you'll get one year. Maybe you can re-sign them. But Colorado is probably not going to be able to get to market what they really want. But you if need, you could get a, an obtainable shortstop who has an all-star resume, that is a starting point. 
You need something else from Colorado, though, because even though Trevor Story is a better player than Jorge Polanco, Polanco's mm-hmm. Polanco's been a really good player, and his contract is long. But I, but if it's like Colorado kicks in Trevor Story and an elite reliever or prospect or whatever, like right, can they kick in some cash to pay the contract? To what to pay Story's contract? Well, Story, I mean, Story's going to make a, seventeen million next season. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think you'd have to. Swap salaries or, or take on salaries. Uh, yeah, story. Uh, yeah, eighteen and a half million dollars for Trevor Story in two thousand twenty-one. Okay, and actually, I believe he can't. He now he's a free agent in two thousand twenty-two. You're right. So he's awesome. The Rockies are probably going to trade him if they don't sign him to an extension. But I like where you're going with this. I don't know if I can ever look at Jorge Polanco the same after that mistake at shortstop. Like that was a different kind of mistake. Did you wake wake up after a one night baseball stand and you're like, oh my god, it's Jorge Polanco? Can't do this. Need a breakup. Dude, I can't look at you. Yep. Reckless speculation. We got right, it. Can we, we just, we just roll us. right in here? Yeah, Doogie, Doogie's uh, setting up right here. Okay. So. I want to hear this. I want to make sure Doogie's got his head. Doogie got us? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I got you, boys. Okay. All right. Doogs, we're in the Good middle. Good morning. We're in the middle morning. of like a 35 minute how we would fix the twins this offseason session here. And I've got one major move let's let's sum up the moves here for Doogie and then I'll give you the one major move that I have not given you guys yet. Okay. They've got to clear some salary out because all like the the twins just like everyone took a financial bath. I know that fans are going to say who cares? Like realistically their payroll is going to come down and for us to fix the team we have to account for that. So they they've got like 50 million dollars in free agents coming off the books. You say goodbye to Odorizzi, Marwin, Rich Hill, Alex Avila, if they want to sign back for $2 million because no one's going to get paid this offseason, that's fine. Uh, we pencil in Alex Kirloff into the starting lineup next year, maybe even Brent Rooker. We look to trade Max Kepler for a pitcher, and um, and we get, we get Royce Lewis ready to play multiple positions. But this is the big move, Doogie. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm listening. Reckless speculation. I give Trevor Bauer a $30 million one-year offer with a, with a second-year mutual option. And I and I and I push chips into 2021 because I think if you bring, even if you shuffle up your lineup a little bit, and it's not the Bomba Squad anymore, if you go into 2021 with with a good bullpen, with a formidable lineup still, and a starting rotation of Trevor Bauer, Kenta Maeda, Jose Barrios, and then whoever else you want to roll out there, Mike Pineda, you can win the World Series. So that's my move. Well, I mean, I'm on record. I'll continue to be on record that Trevor Bauer has fans here. In the Twin Cities, like that Twins front office really likes Bauer. Is he willing to come here if he's got a comparable offer from, say, the Reds? Some of his guys are in that Reds organization, some coaches he works with in the offseason. So if the Reds make a comparable offer, does he prefer to stay with Cincinnati? That would be something interesting to look at. But I have no doubt in my mind, Phil, they will call on Trevor Bauer. They will have conversations in the offseason about Trevor Bauer. I hear you on everything you said. I just know this much. They love that long-term contract, that team-friendly contract that they have Max Kepler locked up to. I think Eddie Rosario is a goner. He's in line with an arbitration raise. You can't get anything for him, though. He's got one year left. Agree. I think he's maybe more likely a non-tender candidate. I mean, at $10 million, I think they try to trade Rosario. Hmm. I just don't know if anybody's willing to take on $10 $10 million of Eddie Rosario in 2021. Yeah, I do think Max Kepler would have all sorts of value. I do. I think Rosario has some fans, though, like Avila in Detroit, Alex's dad, Al, who runs the Tigers, 
has had some interest in Rosario in the past. I don't know what a deal would potentially look like. James Rousen in Miami. You talk about some of the Twins' failures. I was just on a Zoom call with Derek Falvey. I asked Derek, is there any way to quantify how much his hitters missed James Rousen this year? Now, credit to James. That was a promotion. Good for him for, for going to Miami. I think James is positioning himself in the coming years to be somebody's manager. But I do think, my own personal opinion is, some of these hitters missed, maybe even greatly missed, James Rousen's presence this year. I guess it depends, Phil. What pitcher are you getting for Kepler? I'm not saying I wouldn't I wouldn't be open-minded to such a possibility. I'm just telling you that they love that contract they have him locked up to. All right, Dukes. Um, Nelson Cruz, do you think he comes back? And let me give you my theory that Declan absolutely hates, uh, but I think it's going to at least have, have to be a conversation in the coming weeks at Target Field. Uh, I contend that both times Donaldson popped that calf again, he did it playing third base because he is exploding off of that leg to make plays, which he's very g- good at. Unfortunately, it's now a chronic calf problem that dates to 2016. I think to keep him in the lineup, there's going to have to be serious discussion about Josh Donaldson in 2021 DHing a lot. It's going to suck, but you have to have him playing. Um, do you agree with that at all? And if so, does that probably spell the end for Nelson Cruz as a twin? I do agree on Josh, right? I mean, about to turn 35 years old, has a history of calf issues. Like that body will continue to break down. So yes, do I think it's logical to think that next year, assuming we have a 162 game season, that Donaldson can start at third base, 145 to 150 games? No. I think that's asking way too much. So, yes, I do think you need to create some DH opportunities for Josh. On Nelson, I mean, I think they want him back. But the issue is the dialogue they had with his agent going back to last winter, because there was dialogue about extending him beyond 2020. Those talks went absolutely nowhere. Now all appearances, in fact, is it even official yet that the National League will adopt the DH in 2021? I don't it's think not, it's yeah. quite it's not, official, it's not official yet, it's not it's official. but it's trending that way, right? You know, so that just opens up even more possibilities for Nelson. Even at next year, 41 years old, I think somebody's willing to give him a two-year deal in the 22 to 24, $25 million range. Yeah, I'm still curious to see the COVID fallout, what some of these contracts look like. So maybe that's that's pretty optimistic. Maybe it's lower than that, but I do think there will be a decent market for Nelson. But all things considered, like I think in the end, Nelson's agent, because Nelson wants this, Nelson's agent will circle back to the Twins at the end and say, okay, the Reds made this offer, or you name the team. This team made this offer. Are you willing to match that offer? If you are, Nelson's coming back to you guys because that's his first choice. He wants to be back in Minnesota. Then I think the Twins will have a decision to make. But just based on... The dialogue they had with his camp last winter, it's trending in the direction of Nelson being elsewhere. Mm. Okay. How ready? We saw Alex Kirilov, and, and I thought he just looked like a pro in his first game. It's you know hard to tell how Phil, sustainable he's so is. good. Like, he's going to win a Major League Baseball batting title. Wow. Like, I'll say that. I'm not going to just say right, batting title because somebody could say, yeah, he'll win it at AAA. No, he is going to win. <laughs> A Major League Baseball batting title. Can we My make, the, can we make that a write that down prediction? Would you make it a write that down? 
Do you want? Do you want to write that? Down, Absolutely. Dude? I mean, right. this yes, thing may go out. Hopefully, we're all still employed in ten to twelve years to see the conclusion of that. But yeah, I do think that years. swing will win a batting so, title. So here's my question: twelve years, dude. as it pertains to Brent Rooker, who we saw for a little bit this year, and he looked really good, and Alex Kirloff, and then Royce Lewis was insanely good in the fall league last year, and then we didn't get to see him this year. How ready are those three guys at the beginning of 2021, and how much does their readiness affect? Maybe trading Rosario, Kepler, Miguel Sano, saying goodbye to an Nelson Cruz, et cetera, Doogie. Because those guys all make $500,000 and could be potential cornerstones and allow you to spend money elsewhere. I think you need to go case by case. In the case of Rooker, I think we saw enough of him against Major League Pitching to suggest he's good. Like, he's good to go. He did recently have the wrist surgery per Falvey on the Zoom call I just got off of. All went well. The follow-up doctor visits have gone well. All signs point to Rooker being just fine come next spring training. So, yeah, I mean, I think Rooker is ready to face Major League Pitching on a regular basis. On Kirilov, like talking to people over at the alternate site, the Toby Garden hires and some others that were over in St. Paul, he squared up everything. Like, he doesn't swing and miss. He is going to hit the ball. Even that single yesterday was a rock-solid single. You think about that at-bat in the ninth. Bregman made a nice play, was positioned well. But that was a pretty hard hit ball. Even that first at bat, think about the nerves in the first inning with the bases loaded. Like he yep. he hit that ball relatively well. Yeah, I mean line drive to the center fielder, you know, maybe in between line drive and a fly ball, but he's not going to swing and miss. So I think Kirilov is ready. I think Royce still needs a little bit more time. I do. But I think at some point, like Royce is going to see the majors at some point in twenty twenty one. Would it make some sense, Judd? To, to, you know, like he played pretty much all shortstop in St. Paul. And it was weird in St. Paul. Like Derek even noted, like Toby Gardenhire at times was playing third base. So it's really hard to quantify like overall performance of guys in St. Paul just based on, on bodies and some social distancing and some of the other things they, they had in place over there. So think about that. No offense to Toby, but like if he's playing third base, you know, it's more about just the guys get, you know, good wood on the ball, you know, forget about if they reached first base or not just based on, on some of the fielders that, that were in the field. Uh, but I think Royce, my understanding is had a good run in St. Paul, but I still think he needs a little bit more time. Like when's opening days in March 25th or March 28th, that might be a little aggressive, like maybe more like May, late May, early June, but would it make some sense to, to prepare Royce to play some third base? So Phil, do, Phil said that. Doogie and I are tracking here. Phil said J- that. Judd wants Donaldson to DH, which leaves an opening at third. I, and I said, between Royce, Polanco, and Arise, who wants wait, to play third? Well, I think, I think you want Royce's arm Of those three, Phil, right? Don't you want Royce's arm among I those three? Love Duke, it. I don't want Jorge's Dukes, arm Dukes, at, Dukes. at third. I need to make something very clear. Yeah. I don't want Donaldson DHing. I think it's an inevitability that he's going to have to. Yes. I am not for this move. This is not a judge suggestion. Nobody should be for that move at $22 million a year. You're not paying him that much money. You think about his history at third base, gold glove-esque defense. You're not paying him that much money to be a designated hitter for the next three years. But yes, I I do think it is inevitable with, with the calf history. That, that he is going to need DH at bats. What is the internal concern that you think uh, regarding two players, Miguel Sano and Mitch Garver? And I know it was a weird 60-game shortened year, uh, but Garver looked about as lost as you can possibly look a- after hitting, what, 31 home runs last season. I mean, the right answer on Garver is probably somewhere in the middle, right? That That last year was the career year. He's not duplicating those numbers 
ever again in all likelihood, but he's not quite this bad. But I think what you'll see next year is a lot of Ryan Jeffers. Like, I think Avila leaves as a free agent. You have your two catchers. They are locked in, and it might be close to a 50-50 split. Like, I think Jeffers is going to play a good amount next year. But I think Garver is going to be in the lineup enough next year. So, I mean, we can talk about, you know, the issues this year all we want, but I think Garver is back next year. On Sano, yeah, I mean, you look at those numbers the last few weeks, but what are you going to do, right? Like, I don't know if I would have given them the contract they did, but it's not a ridiculous contract that they gave them when last, was it January, three years, $30 million? Yes. I mean, it's not ridiculous, but I don't think he's got a lot of trade value. Like, I have that in my timeline on, on social media so often. Trade Miguel Sano for a good pitcher. We can talk if we want about Max Kepler. I think Kepler's got legit value in the league, although I think finding a corner outfielder, although he can play some center field. You could put Max in center field. But I just don't know how many how many corner outfielders have premium value for a good starting pitcher. But you're not trading. This I know. You're not trading Miguel Sano for a really good starting pitcher. Nobody on the planet is making that trade. So at this point, I think you just roll with it. But hey, if Kirilov needs some time at first base next year, like I wouldn't guarantee Miguel Sano 600 at-bats next year. That I know. Yeah. Dude, we're going to play this Baldelli soundbite one more time, and then we want your reaction just uh, and plus, you just got off the Derek Falvey Zoom session. We're going to play this and uh, react to it. Our organization, we we haven't been successful in the playoffs lately at all, and that's the re- that is a reality for all of the fans and for everyone who follows the organization and cares about the Twins. I'm aware of it now, and I'll tell you this one: the day I showed up here uh, in the the Minnesota Twins organization, I had no idea that that was even a thing. I didn't know it existed. Um, I hear about it from people who are, who care about this team. And you know what? We want to do better and we want to do better for ourselves. We want to do better for the organization and we want to do better for all the fans too. And I think uh, all parties deserve that. So Doogie, a few years ago, all these guys come in, Falvey Levine, and then eventually Rocco Baldelli and Hey, listen, all those failures, those are from those are from the old regime. Those are from Guardy and those are from Terry Ryan and those are different rosters. This is this is I get that the, the fans have been part of this, but this is not this is not something that we really actively think about. Well not well now it's on all of them too, because they've lost all of their postseason games the last two years and going back to two thousand seventeen. So what is the feeling now, front office and and what you glean from what Rocco Baldelli said? Well, it's a little troubling that he had no idea about the streak I guess when he took the job it would have been what 13 consecutive playoff losses because he's responsible for the last five the sweep last year no one one pulls him aside and tells him hey just so you know like this is a thing and people talk about it a lot yeah so that's a little troubling the rest of what he said you know that 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 vibes with me that should vibe with the fan base I think that was that was well put well spoken but I just don't know it's hard for me to comprehend how he wasn't aware of the playoff history. But that being said, I do think the clubhouse would look at him like a fool if he brought that up because a lot of those guys, you know, they're responsible now for five, some three, but just about everyone else isn't responsible for 13 of those losses. So I do think bringing that up in the clubhouse would have been really, really weird. I think going into the Yankee series last year, I probably agree. I think going into this year, it was imperative to do. And and if your players don't like it, just too bad. You, you've got to take control and, and embrace it. Like Phil said, embrace it. The Red Sox did. I mean, th- those players, you know, at that time, 
certainly did not go back to 1909 or something like that. So I found it disturbing that this year it seems like the approach in everything the Twins did playoff-wise, guys, to 2020 was the same as last year when it probably should have been adjusted and changed. And look, the Twins spent two games playing like a team, true or not, that was well aware of that history. They were tight as hell. They were tight as hell. I don't know if I'm ready to make the leap that they were thinking about, you know, as they're popping up, you know, pitch after pitch yesterday. Not ready to say that the that the 17, at that point, 17-game playoff losing streak was was on their minds. But yeah, I mean, undoubtedly, right? I mean, all appearances suggest, Judd, you're right. They played incredibly tight. The thing is, their number one goal this year was to secure home field. Like, they thought, we can't open up on the road. Specifically, we can't open up in the Bronx. All worked out so well. I sat in this chair last Thursday saying, bring on the Astros. That is the best case scenario. But that being said, the way they played the last two days, I'm not sure, now this is an exaggeration, but I'm not sure they would have beaten Droogie's nine-year-old fall ball team, right? Like, it didn't matter who the opponent was. I guess that's that's my point. I'm joking about the Little League team or, or playing, you know, college-age I hear Droogie's team is tough. Yeah. But they 27 Yankees, 75 Reds. Remember Sunday boys. afternoon, there was even a scenario where they would have opened up against Toronto. Call me nuts. But I think playing the way they did, showing that they were tight, I think the Blue Jays sweep them. I think the White Sox sweep them. I think the Indians, who just lost 0-2, right, to the Yankees. You know, my guy Brad Hand choked it away last night, late last night. First blown save all year. Like, I think the Indians would have beaten them. Like, all the scenarios on Sunday, we were all trying to figure it out. Okay, you know, it's it's seventh inning of, of Twins-Reds. Will it be the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Indians, the White Sox, the Astros? It didn't matter, right? Like, it really didn't. The way they played, the mistakes they made. You know, the Polanco throw wide of second base, Buxton getting caught in the rundown, popping up pitch after pitch. Like, I think the strategy would have been the same with with other organizations. So I, I think the Twins would have fallen flat on their faces, regardless of who the opponent was. Doogie, you made some headlines across the Internet when you came on the show <laughs> last week. And you this is a funny thing. Like, people are killing the messenger. You relayed what a source told you, a source well-connected to Carl Anthony Towns' inner circle told you about their opinion of whether he wants to be here still in a couple of years. So just the floor is yours to react to the reaction to what you said last week. Sure. Well, I mean, I can't control, you know, what the aggregators aggregate. I will say I get texted a lot of stuff. Oftentimes it doesn't pass the old sniff test. I don't make mention of it at all. I might tell you guys off, Mike. Tell somebody off camera on the TV side, but I don't bring it to a forum like this, a forum like television, even my social media forum. But in this particular instance, and I'll tell you, somebody from the Wolves called me and didn't light me up, but just wanted to understand my process. And I explained it. And this person said, "Okay, you know, I respectfully disagree. And it was a 35 minute conversation. But there's nothing. I'm sorry. I don't mean to like I'm certainly not going to like air out your sources by any means, but there's nothing to disagree with. You reported someone's opinion. Well, I think the issue they had was, and I just read it verbatim. Like, I can show you. I'm not going to show the camera right here, but I'll show you guys so you know I'm telling the truth. The text message. So I I read it verbatim, quote, good is gone. But I also said, which got buried, that me personally, from, from talking to people, I don't say this lightly, that Carl isn't good as gone right this second. 
that it's going to be an interesting and fascinating year for Carl, for the franchise as a whole. Let's reevaluate after next year. Like, let's circle back to this conversation mm-hmm. October of 2021. It's entirely possible at the trade deadline next year that Gerson finds a way to acquire Ben Simmons or Bradley Beal or you name the superstar that, that will be available. If that happens and you have the threesome of that superstar, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, that they win, maybe they can capture the seven or eight seed, make a run this, this next year like Memphis made this year, then, yeah, I think Carl I think Carl stays. I do. I'm not dismissing him maybe even completing the, the four remaining years on, on this max contract. It's possible. But I passed along, you're right, Phil, don't kill the messenger, that, that in league circles, this wasn't the first time, by the way, I've heard this going back multiple months, that people in league circles have heard from those close to Carl that, that yeah, they think eventually he is going to take the path of Anthony Davis and ask out. But make no mistake, the Wolves are not trading Carl Anthony Towns anytime soon. When you hear Gerson, Ryan, heck, at some point, hopefully Carl talks to us. Like, they're going to say, it's going to be kumbaya. They're going to say everything positive, right? They're going to say how happy they are. They're not going to admit on the record of, of, of any internal strife or anything like that. I'm just saying it's something worth keeping an eye on over the next 12 months. And we'll go from there. Is Carl at the Wolves... Optional camp yet? Well, he was in Cabo. I mean, TMZ was all over that. He's He's got the girlfriend. F- funny how you Jordan said your Woods. thing, and then shortly thereafter it comes out that he's not at the workout that you'd hope he'd be at. Yes, but. although, you know what? I will defend him on that. We don't even know when next season starts. Dude, he's like, I'll defend him on that. She's super hot, yeah. man. Yeah. 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 I'd, be on that I'd be in Cabo, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Happy girlfriend, right? Happy wife, happy life, right? Like it was her twenty third birthday. Happy GM, you know, trip to Cabo. Who's turning on a trip to Cabo? Put it this way: Let's just say the Wolves would have loved for Carl to be there, right? Last yeah. week, scrimmaging on Sunday, scrimmaging last night. They're still trying to get clarity whether he can get back in the bubble. Now, to me, common sense says you test him. You have the t- testing capabilities. If he if he tests negative, multiple tests maybe over the course of a couple days, why couldn't he re-enter the bubble? But they're still trying to get clarity from the league on on whether he'll be even able to enter the bubble. But he's been in. Like I talked to Ryan the morning after they won the draft lottery. I talked to him at eight a.m. that morning. I did a, an on the record Zoom call with with Ryan. He just got off the court with Carl. Carl was legitimately in there at 6 a.m. Okay. working his butt off. Carl's been in at, at different points throughout the summer, early in the morning. And time doesn't matter. He could be there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Who sure. cares what time? But he's been in working hard. Like, of the Wolves' concerns, Carl Anthony Towns, the wrist is is good. Like, I, I wouldn't be worrying about Carl Anthony Towns right this second. Maybe in a year, if things get dicey over the next season. And at some point, I think they need to coach him harder. Ride him harder, expect more from him, you know, stop coddling to him in so many ways. But, you know, six months after, five months after mom died, mm-hmm. I don't think that's the right time. I also think there's something we said. People grieve in different ways. Mm-hmm. It's possible love. Like he's known as his current girlfriend, Jordan Woods, for a while. It's possible, but but they weren't romantically involved as far as I know, going back, you know, a year or 18 months. And it's possible, right? Like, he needs a woman in his life. And so, I'm not going to knock him five months from opening day or four months from opening day 
taking a trip to Mexico when it happened to be her birthday. It's probably something that was planned at least a few weeks out. Just like I'm not mad at Hernan Gomez for, for committing to a movie before he knew these dates of this particular bubble. It's voluntary. Like, emphasis on voluntary. The NBA has been very vocal with front offices. Do not try to convince guys. You can say, yeah, it'd be nice to have you, but but you're not supposed to be prodding guys and saying, if you don't show up, you know, you're not supposed to threaten guys, anything like that. This is very, very, very voluntary. So yeah. overall on Carl not being there right now, I just, I wouldn't worry all that much. In fact, I wouldn't worry at all. Uh, Doogie, what is in your bag of scoops here that we haven't gotten to? Give us a little 60 seconds of rapid fire scoops here. I mean, I suppose if you want to worry about anything with the Wolves, Malik Beasley was arrested last weekend. Yeah. That's not the first time the Plymouth Police Department has been to his, I don't know if he bought the house, probably renting the house. Didn't he just move in? I don't know exactly when he moved in. I think but, he bought it not that long ago. I don't know if he bought it or not. That's but, not good. All right. But the cops have been to that house before. It's just, and and he's got the right attorney, and, and the Wolves have a good security team. It'll probably end up being very, very minor. You know, you have the right people in your corner. But just hearing some other stuff, like Malik fired his agent back in June, Rich Paul, Clutch Sports. That's LeBron's agent. Anthony Davis's agent doesn't matter that Rich Paul is is an upper echelon agent, but just hearing some stories about that that Malik is starting his own corporation that he's got these crazy aspirations about about his about his corporation and dad's maybe more involved than ever and dad can be maybe be a bit of a pain just just some red flags there. But I'll tell you this much: I had an Eastern Conference executive reach out to me and say, you know, what do you think on Malik? And I said. I, you know, I think they still want him back, and now I'm more positive than ever. They they still want him back. They want him on the team next year. But but he said he thinks the price now goes down. I don't know how how much it goes down, but that if the Wolves want to sign him to a long term deal, not just to have him sign the qualifying offer, that that they might be able to get him wrapped up for three or four years at a lesser number now. Nice. That's Darren Doogie Wolfson. He's our. Friend. Can I give you one more? Yeah. I just saw the preliminary overnight TV local ratings. So the NBA game was a blowout last night. A person's 25 to 54, the rating was 3.8. What that means is in the Twin Cities viewing area, one ratings point equals about 17,600 households. I look at game, what would have been, game six of the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah. And it was a good game, good series, right? Entertaining hockey. Person's 25 to 54, a 2.0. So the NBA Finals game one almost doubled Stanley Cup Finals game six. You can go up and down. You can go to Stanley Cup Finals game five, game four, game three. It just further hammers home my point that if you want to go with the marketing slogan, state of hockey, fine, whatever. But here in the Twin Cities, in this metropolitan area, there are more basketball fans than hockey fans. I'm not saying there are more Wolves fans than Wild fans. I'm saying there are more basketball fans than hockey fans. And I can give you other examples, but that's one way to quantify that, that just look at NBA Finals, NHL Finals, how about here in the Twin Cities viewing area, about double the amount of people watched the NBA compared to the NHL. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, the the Wild have at least given fans something to buy tickets for more often Tampa than Bay, not over the last 15 years. Dallas, gentlemen, zero star power. Yeah, like, couple of nondescript. You're oh, going to yeah, tune in to watch what? Agree. The if Lightning? It, if it was Nuggets 
Heat? Yeah. I don't think it does a 3.8 with persons 25 to 54. Yep, you got yeah. the LeBron That's factor. Right. There's the LeBron factor, yeah. Absolutely. For, for sure, for sure. The Jimmy Butler factor. Um, you wrong, you can uh, You can find Doogie's podcast. It's called The Scoop with Doogie. Inside information about your favorite local sports teams on Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com and the Scorenorth app. And you can find his face on KSTP 5 Eyewitness News uh, TV, the sports department there. So, all right, Dukes, we'll see you next week, buddy. Okay, take it easy. All right, and that's a wrap on this episode of Mackie and Judd. We will hit you with an action movie rewind tomorrow. And don't forget, Purple Daily, seven days a week right now on Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com and also youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. See you guys.